want to make a podcast, Spotify has got a platform that lets you make one super easily, distribute it everywhere, and even earn money all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or your computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. And when you want to take conversations with your fans to the next level, Q&As and polls are the best way to get them talking. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. Ever since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, I feel so supported in the creation and distribution of my show. Spotify for Podcasters hosts masterclasses, office hours, and more to help creators develop and fine-tune their skills. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to spotify.com slash podcasters to get started. Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to Back to the Show. Thank you so, so much for clicking on today's episode. If you've never clicked on an episode before, a very special welcome to you. I'm super pumped to have you here. And if you've been a subscriber for a long time, thank you so much for coming back. I have such a cool episode for you guys today. My friend Callie Jardine is joining us. She is the owner of Sweaty Studio, which is a virtual Pilates studio. She also has a podcast called Healthy But Human. She was so kind and also had me on her show, which is super cool. So after you listen to this episode, definitely go listen to my episode on her podcast. Throughout this episode, we realized that we have so much in common. So I know that you guys are just going to absolutely adore this episode. We talk all about dealing with failure. We talk about working with your cycle to increase your workflow and benefit your workouts. We talk about seed cycling. We talk about Pilates. We really just talk about like so many really fun, cool topics that I feel like you guys are always asking me about. And Callie's just like the perfect voice to kind of talk about all these miscellaneous things with you guys. So without further ado, please give a warm welcome to my friend, Callie Jardine. Callie, welcome to the show. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for being here. So go ahead and tell the listeners just a little bit about you, what you do, who you are, where you're from. Hi guys, I'm so excited to actually meet you all. I am Callie. I am currently living in South Florida. Um, I currently am a full-time entrepreneur and content creator. I have my own Pilates studio. It's all online called Sweaty Studio, where I post a lot of cycle syncing plans, monthly programs, and I blend affirmations with Pilates. I'm really into all of the body love, self-love, feeling good during your workouts inside and out. So that's kind of where all of my content revolves around that mindset. Also working with your body, not against it. I say it like a broken record all the time. Um, I also have my own podcast, Healthy But Human. I have a YouTube channel. I have like pretty much every social media platform ever. And then aside from that, I, like I said, live in Florida. I love to surf. I love to swim in the ocean. I have a very small boat named Lil Yachty that I will take on the water. And I have a sheep doodle dog. So yeah. <laughs> Wait, that's the funniest boat name I've ever heard. And I live on the water too, so I see boat names a lot. That's hilarious. Funny story. And this is kind of, listening to the story is going to basically tell who I am in just like a story because I'm a very like spontaneous person. So basically my fiance, John, and I were living in New York City for, I was there for five months. I'd moved up from Miami, Florida. He'd been there for a little over a year working in the city. 
So we basically, I had a life crisis and (laughs) was like, I need to leave this place. Like my anxiety, depression, everything is like not working right now. So we ended up breaking our lease, flew to Texas, got a car and went on a month long road trip across the country. So we had a moment where we were like, let's live in California. And then we were like, no, let's live in Florida. But there was a hurricane going through Florida at the same time. So we had to go to the West Coast instead of the East Coast. So anyways, we eventually find our way to Florida and we are staying in the airbnb and we were looking for places to live and the funniest thing is we were talking about this because i lived in florida for five years prior and i was like you don't understand like in florida there's obviously the land but if you don't have a boat you're missing out on like the other 50 percent of florida because the water here is just so cool to explore like the mangrove systems like rivers all that stuff and the ocean obviously so we we're like we should get a boat so it was on our bucket list but Basically what happened is John found this really, it's like a 14 foot blue, it's kind of like a, I think it's a skiff, honestly. He found out on Facebook Marketplace for a really good deal and we we're like, let's do it. So our joke is that we bought a boat before we got a house in Florida <laughs> and then we named it Lil Yachty because it's really small. <laughs> <laughs> and we're and our house, our Wi-Fi, our Wi-Fi is called CJ Yacht Club because we have our yacht oh my gosh. in our garage that's hilarious but that makes me so happy like i am such a beach water girl like that is kind of the dream who cares how big it is like get right like like, you have a boat that's awesome it's it's the perfect starter boat too like anyone who ever wants to get a boat i definitely recommend getting a small boat first because you can learn how to navigate like and actually drive your boat and like dock it and all that stuff and then i feel like if i had a massive boat out of the gates i'd be like what am i doing with myself <laughs> like i'm gonna crash this thing so that's that's also been really a really awesome thing too i love i love Lil yachty that makes me so happy okay so you touched on a little bit about your life crisis in your words you said it was a life crisis and how you pretty much just like up and left new york city i think that having a life crisis in your 20s like people talk about the midlife crisis but no one talks about how your 20s is essentially like just crisis after crisis like what am I doing can you talk a little bit to just that feeling of this isn't right and knowing when it's time to go and make a change yeah and I think something that I wish someone had told me when I was graduating college I graduated college in 2021 for reference I've been out of college for like two years now is you are probably going to be a different person like every week or every month like I feel like looking back even just two months ago my interests and my style and everything it has changed and I think that's like what's super cool about being in your 20s is you don't have to be this version of you all the time and I think any any ver- any time in life you can always be changing and that's like what's super cool but I think figuring out like the timeline of when something's not right I mean, hey, I think 20s is all about taking risks. I took a risk. I quit my job. I took a risk. I moved my life from Miami to New York City and it didn't it didn't work out. And for a while, I was like, this feels like a failure, a lot of money to move up, all this stuff. But I can say like when I was there in the moment um, and I knew it was time to leave, I got to this point where I just didn't feel like it was aligned at that place anymore. I learned a lot about myself in New York because I realized when I was living in Miami, I took Miami for granted. I didn't go to the beach. I stayed in my apartment a lot. I wasn't super social. And then I moved to New York City and all of a sudden, all of my Miami problems follow me and I feel just very, very much not myself. I was like, I can't go to the beach. There's like hardly any nature around me. 
I just don't feel like good if that makes sense and I just felt like very like my head felt very I felt very anxious all the time I'd go outside step outside my apartment I felt anxious and I just found myself working constantly and I was like these are just not my life values like I want to have a slow life I want to have my community in my life like good friendships and I really realized they're like I'd been chasing after kind of the wrong stuff when I moved up there. I'd been chasing after a lot of money. I'd been chasing after just success with my professional life. When I was up there, I realized that's not what I truly feel like fulfills me. I think it was just kind of everything compiled at once in like the span of a week. And I was like, I just can't do this anymore. You mentioned a little bit about how when you moved, all your Miami problems followed you. Can you elaborate a little bit on that? Because I feel like a lot of times we tend to change all kinds of things in our life without doing the healing and the problems just follow wherever we go. So that's something I learned. Like even when I left New York City, it was the same thing. All of the same things I was trying to run away from were following me. Anytime I would have a breakup or I'd have something happen with my friends or just something negative happened in my life, I'd wanna flee. I'd wanna book a trip and leave. And I did that a lot of my life. And I think a lot of that comes down to my family moving around so much my entire life. Cause it just felt like we're always like up and just going to the next thing. In Miami, I was struggling a lot with, like I mentioned my anxiety struggles and also some depression. I was also healing from a breakup. I was in a job that I describe as soul sucking cause it wasn't what I loved to do. And it just, it all just piled on itself. And I just found myself really into just partying all the time. I wasn't giving myself the things I needed. I wasn't sleeping enough. I wasn't eating enough. Like it was a very just toxic phase of my life, but it was also one of those moments where when I moved to New York city, I was like, you know what? Like, this is gonna be a fresh start. We're gonna have a fresh start. We're gonna leave all this stuff behind and we're gonna go there. And the first month it was a fresh start. I felt great. I felt like this is it. I'm thriving I'm making friends. I feel good. I love it. I love it. And I was like, I always knew New York would not be my forever place, but I really liked it for the first month or so. But then I think what happened is the immediate like romanticizing the place that kind of curtain just like pulled away and i started to realize that i was experiencing similar feelings i had when i was in miami my mental health stuff i hadn't fully healed from that i was still struggling with it and things were bringing it back up and then i also think too i so i stopped drinking in april of the year i moved and I think I wasn't comfortable with who I was while not drinking. And so that was also kind of affecting my social life a lot. So I found myself isolating a lot. And I was also isolated in in Miami because I was going through it and I just wanted to be by myself all the time. So like you said, I think what really changed is when I was like, I actually became aware of what was going on and what the patterns that I was experiencing. I actually started to just tackle them head on and started to heal these things and fight them. So that's the difference of now they live in Florida. That's why being in Florida has been so beautiful because I realized like, I'm not going to run away anymore. Like I'm going to work through this. I'm going to build a community and life happens. We all have our ups and downs. And like, that doesn't mean that my life's never going to get better again. I'm just going to work on it. And that's been the big I guess, game-changing hack that I've experienced since I moved. So what do some of these healing practices look like for you? I think the first thing is 
in March of 2021, I think that's 2021 or 2022, I don't even know the year. Um, it was last March. I went to therapy. I was really struggling, struggling with my anxiety. She used these techniques to help me kind of rewire different moments of my life and see them in a different way. And then also I did CBT therapy, which I got a book on it. It's just like called like CBT something, but I basically started doing these different exercises and I learned different things I can do if I was experiencing anxiety. So like little things like that started to help just like my day-to-day life. Um, I think also the biggest thing for me too, is I got back into my relationship with God and I started to do a devotional every day and I started to just reconnect with him and that was truly the biggest thing. So what devotional book do you use? Like what would you recommend to someone who's kind of just like easing back into their their faith? I love Sadie Robertson's Live on Purpose. It is it's actually about fear and anxiety. Like that's kind of the theme of it. And that was basically like a little backstory is I was raised in a Christian household my whole life, but then I fell away from the faith for four years and tried like different things. Like I was into astrology for a bit. And then basically I saw my friend recommended this devotional on her story. And I was like, that looks cool. Cause I was like, when I was struggling with my anxiety really bad and I like ordered it and that seriously is like what got me back into it. So I'm always like, guys, like it's literally such a good one. And it's, it's so relatable in your twenties too. This episode of 8020 is sponsored by Athletic Greens. It's no secret that I am obsessed with my morning routine and that I'm also obsessed with micro habits. And taking my Athletic Greens AG1 is probably the most important micro habit that I've integrated into my morning routine. AG1 is an all-in-one formula that makes it really easy for me to cover my nutritional basis every single day. Every scoop is packed with 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced superfoods of the highest quality that give me incredible benefits. I started taking AG1 because I wanted to kind of streamline my supplement routine. I was tired of taking like handfuls and handfuls of supplements and pills. And I feel like you walk the shelves in the drugstore and you just don't even know what to take, which is why I love Athletic Greens so much because it's packed with all of the good nutrients that you need. And it's the healthiest habit that you can do in under a minute. Overall, AG1 is such a powerful habit that I've integrated into my morning. And I'm not the only one because AG1 has been a part of millions of mornings since 2010. So if you're looking for an easier way to take supplements, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash 8020. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash 8020. Check it out. You had a couple experiences that you've mentioned on your podcast that you mentioned. We had you know, a couple conversations where failure was a, a main theme. Can you touch on that a little bit? Oh my gosh. <laughs> yes. I've had so many moments where like I've just experienced like quote unquote failures. So basically for everyone listening, I started my, I initially started a blog in 2019 in college just for fun. I love to write. And I was teaching fitness at the time. It's like my little side job in college. And I remember in 2020, I started to grow my social media platforms a lot on TikTok. And then that led to me just growing on Instagram, on YouTube. And I all of a sudden had like, I was getting like a decent following and a very engaged community. And I was like, you know what? Like, I think it'd be really cool. You know what? Actually, I think this was, I don't even know the timeline anymore, but 
in the 2019-2020 kind of range, I think I'd hit like 10,000 followers on Instagram or something. I think that was like still in college. So around this time, I was like growing. I was like, oh my gosh, like I want to launch some sort of guide, something. And for reference, I had absolutely no idea what goes into an actual launch strategy. I was like, I thought a launch was simply make the product and you post it and everyone buys your stuff. But I basically didn't know there was so much more that goes into a launch. And I built this guide and I spent like, I always joke, I was like, I was on some sort of like superhuman mode that day. It was literally the day before New Year's. And I wrote like a 50 page guide in, I'm not even joking, one day. And I launched it the same day. Like it was actually insane. I don't know how I did it. But basically I launched this thing and I was like, guys, I made this guide for New Year's. I think I had like three sales, like literally no sales at all. Like it was very, very small. And I remember I was so upset. I was like, what? Like, I, I don't understand. Like people like, like seem to like love my stuff on social media. Like why is no one getting this guide that I put so much work into? So I felt like a failure. I felt like I was never going to have a successful business. And it was also really discouraging because I was seeing my other friends in social media would post recipe books and make like $10,000. I think like that was kind of my first, I guess, failure in like my business, but honestly, it was not a failure at all. I learned so much from it. I mean, looking back, I had no idea there's a whole launch strategy that goes into launching something. There's more than just make a product and post it. I mean, you, it takes a couple weeks, a month to like pre-launch stuff. And I was telling um, Lily yesterday when we recorded for my podcast, a book I recommend to every entrepreneur out there is Launch by Jeff Walker, one of my entrepreneur friends, a couple years ago recommended it to me when I was really getting into building my online studio and I will forever thank her for it because it helped me so much. So I'll tell everyone about this book because it is very incredible and it helps you a lot, which is like thinking about the launch process and how to actually build it. So I actually just Amazon Prime that book. It'll be here tomorrow because I think yes. it is, I have such a similar, like I said, we are just living like parallel lives. Like we have to actually like meet in person and hang out because I feel like there's so much fun. I know. But I have also had so many failed launches. And I think that there's this misconception on social media when someone has any sort of following that that following generates all of their income, but not everyone is buying every product. You could have a hundred thousand followers and maybe only, you know, a thousand want to buy your product. And so there's this huge misconception yeah. when you're a content creator or if you have any sort of platform, there's just always this huge, huge misconception. So what's one piece of advice that you wish you could go back and tell yourself maybe like two years ago when you were just starting your studio? I think it's really just that it like numbers don't matter into the day. I think, like you said, you can have a hundred thousand followers and if your community isn't that engaged, like if your focus is, I just want to have as many followers as possible and I'll do whatever I can to get it. Like your community isn't going, it might be strong, but odds are it may not be the strongest ever. So it's all about building a community. And also I think I would tell myself like, keep posting stuff to help people and provide value. I mean, even making products, starting a business, like everything that you do make sure that it has a purpose and a why behind it because if you're just out there throwing out content all the time expecting people to love it and it's just to get clout for yourself like people see right through that and it's not going to provide any value for anyone it's just going to be another thing just clogging the internet there's different types of value i mean entertainment is value inspiring travel content is also valuable i for so long thought the more i posted 
like I had to keep posting all the time in order to see results. And it's like, no, like the content you're posting, it's like quality over quantity is everything. So I think that's something that I would tell myself because I always, beca- I always got like obsessive with like, how much can I make right now to post? Like how much content can I film in this moment? That's something that I found just working in social media. The goal is always like, okay, pump out as much content as you possibly can and just post something. On the flip side, it's like, no, no, no. Like the post has to have value. You have to have a reason why you're pressing publish. So what would you say is like your number one community building technique when it comes to your digital spaces? So I look at every different social media platform in a different way. So I think, so a lot of my platforms I see as funnels to get people from one place to the next. And for me, people who are on my email list, or I have a group, I have like a little group chat for people. Those are like the tightest core community. Like I'm actively like responding to their emails. I'm messaging them back in the group chat, stuff like that. Um, I think also it's just like important to realize you don't have to respond to every single thing ever like protect your energy but also engaging in conversations with people is really important to building community i think it's like in dms on instagram i have found the most communities built over there because i'm able to actually have meaningful conversations and voice messages stuff like that so to answer the question of how to build community i think it's literally engage with your people like ask them questions like pretend they're like legitimately your friends. I mean, you can make friends on social media. And I think it's just important to see people more than a number. They're a literal person behind the screen. So talking to them is really, really important. So I've personally found that when I started putting the 80-20 community as a priority, the show itself grew. And I'm sure that you probably saw the same with your studio. Like the times when I have been like gotten obsessive with numbers is when the community doesn't grow. But when I'm like, okay, I actually want to like help someone and like send them a voice message about something that they're maybe like have a question about with their Pilates form or like something that feels weird in their body. Like that's when stuff actually grows and reaches more people because it's actually meaningful. That's something that I feel like is everyone needs to do and hear. So leading a virtual studio, what would you say is the biggest difference between a virtual studio and an in-person studio? Biggest difference is just actually having those client conversations in person. Like I taught in an in-person studio in college and I miss it so much because like one of my favorite things ever was having client conversations before class started and then also after class. And I built friends, I actually made friends. Like I became really good friends with some of my clients. And I think that's the biggest thing that's just different. And I think something that helps with that is I sometimes will do like monthly virtual, either an Instagram live workout or a Zoom workout. And like, that's freaking fun because even though it's virtual, I still feel like I'm talking to people. Cause I'm like, okay guys, like what's your intention for class today? Everyone like puts in a little chat what it is. And I'm like, okay, cool. Like Hannah, that's awesome. And then after class is the same thing. So it's like still having conversations, but I think that's the biggest difference. And I really, I really do miss it. Cause I love, I love meeting people in person. Like it's so fun. You've done like meetups, right? Or you've done like some in-person classes like here and there. Yeah. Yeah, I'll typically do like monthly in-person classes on the beach, which those have been super, super fun. That's awesome. I love those so, so much. Cool. They're really low key, which is like, I love that. I love like, honestly, I've, I think like something else, just kind of going back to like struggles that I have experienced just as being an entrepreneur is seeing people post about having like 200 people at their classes or meetups. And then in reality, it's like not every event's like that. I typically have like 10 or 15 people show up. And I love that. Like I would so much rather have a smaller class and get to 
talk to every person there and get to know them and like actually like make friends but I think that's something that I struggled with at first is like feeling like wait I don't understand like I have so many people that follow me online like why don't I have 200 people showing up for every event I post like why do I have to actually take time to promote this so that's another thing I like really learned like it doesn't just don't compare yourself to other people like it literally does not matter I always think it's so cool when you actually meet people that listen to the podcast or are you know follow you on Instagram or in your case like belong to your studio it's like whoa this person is a real person they're not just a number they're not just you know a face behind a screen and I had a similar experience I hosted a live podcast event and there was like 40 people that showed up and I was like this is insane wow all these people like are showing up to to come and hang out and it's the coolest thing and I think too what was kind of a an eye-opening experience for me too was a lot of people were like well I follow you but I don't live anywhere near where you live it's cool to like see that you know, maybe your reach is bigger than what you thought it was rather than just like in this little niche, you know, community physically, like geographically. That's awesome. That's so cool you did that. I always see JC Marie, like they always do them and look so fun, but okay. it's so cool. It was one of the funnest experiences I've ever had. So it would be cool. Like I have to come to Florida or you have to come up here and we could do something in like DC, but to do like a live podcast, like, you know, we could co-host and then you should teach a Pilates class. Like that would be insane. <gasps> yes. Wait, I'm super down. That'd be or sick. Like, or like a girls weekend or like a retreat or something like that. There's yes. so many cool things that we could possibly do with podcasts. And like me and all my podcaster friends like always brainstorm. And we're like, how come nobody does this? Like podcasts would just yeah. attract like such cool communities. Like how come no one does more? No, because it's also like very lifestyle-y. And I, like, you can do so much with that. Because, yeah. like, most of the people that listen are people experiencing, like, actual, like the exact same struggles that you're going through. And it's like, wait, this would be so sick to get people from all over. Like, we're all, like, like similar vibes. And that, I don't know, it would be so cool. I love that. Whenever I've met a podcast listener, like, in person, it's crazy because they, like you said, are going through the exact same thing. And yeah. it's just, I don't know if it's, like, there's just something in the air or it's the season or the time of year or maybe just being a 20 something like how we started out this episode like it seems like everyone's in the <laughs> middle of a life crisis in their 20s like we're all going through such similar things and I think that that's why people kind of like flock to podcasts like ours because it's just like being on the phone with a friend you know that's I mean when I was like really going through it in Miami I would listen to podcasts like all day long during work like just like my favorite 20-something podcast because like it made me feel like I was FaceTiming a friend and it was literally the best. So when you were kind of going through these life crises, these failures, what role did Pilates play in your journey of getting through these crises? Cri crises? Is that right? Crises? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> crises. Yeah. Um, so when I was in college, I was teaching fitness and I think I'd never really experienced people who were doing the workouts for more than aesthetic reasons. I, when I started doing, going to work, workout classes and working out, it was because I was training for my competitive sport, which was figure skating. After I stopped skating, it was, oh, I want to look a certain way. But I think, and I went through like a whole like restrictive fad diet 
phase there, which was like a whole other thing. I think like when I started teaching fitness, I had clients coming in who were maybe in their fifties or sixties and they were there because they just freaking loved working out and they wanted to feel good. And when I was like, and that was the first time I was like very eye-opening of, oh wait, there's more to fitness than just, oh, I want to look a certain way or be a certain strength. Oh, this actually is going to help with my mental health. So when I was going through it, something that truly did help was doing Pilates and I would do my own workouts. And I told you, I blend affirmations with my workouts because there's so much power in connecting the mind to movement. So it's almost a meditative thing. When you're doing a workout, you're pushing yourself, you're feeling good, you're sweating, you're having an extreme burn going on, but you're also empowering yourself during the whole thing. Like if you're struggling with anxiety, I have a class called Pilates for anxiety when I filmed on the verge of a panic attack. And I like, when I finished that workout, I felt so much better because I was telling myself affirmations that I would say for struggling with anxiety. Maybe I'm feeling peaceful. I am enough. I'm doing enough stuff like that. It just makes such a difference. So during that entire phase of my life, I would just keep doing these plies with affirmations and it's always a mood booster. Like anytime I feel off, I'll do a workout and I'm like, wow, I feel great. (laughs) But it is all about having that good mindset because you can do a workout and you can be beating yourself up and you might leave the workout feeling worse than before. Do you think the Pilates workout itself was one that was healthy for your mind? Did you find that other workouts were maybe more anxiety inducing than Pilates was? Yeah, Pilates. So the guy who actually made Pilates, Joseph Pilates, one of the things, so he has all these different core principles, but something that he really talks about when he created it is how he wanted it to be almost a meditative experience because you're so focused on connecting your mind to the body. It's a very mind-body movement. So you're very focused on your technique, your form, going slow, having control, that your mind shouldn't be elsewhere, racing. So the actual practice of Pilates is very, very mindful and it's very slow and peaceful, like you're saying, where other other workout styles, I mean, a lot of the high intensity workouts, they do lead to having increased cortisol, which isn't a bad thing. But I also learned that you don't always want to be doing these high impact workouts during different times of your cycle. So if I'm doing a really intense spin class on my period, that could be actually adding cortisol to my body, which could increase inflammation when your body's already having a lot of inflammation because you're on your period. (laughs) So that was something that I really learned about. And so transparently, I don't really do that many other workouts, but that's something I have learned about just um, cortisol in general. So let's talk about that because cycle syncing is something that people ask me about all the time. I do it lightly. I'm trying to follow it a little bit more, but cycle syncing your workouts. Can you just explain for someone who's never heard of it? Can you explain what it is? So also I'll have to send you, I just launched a guide today. It's a little freebie cycle syncing guide. So it has like all the stuff about it, but basically if you're not on a hormonal birth control and your body is ovulating, then you're probably experiencing four different phases every month. Each of these different phases, your hormones are different levels. You're gonna be experiencing different energy levels, all that stuff. And it really varies per by the person because some women aren't experiencing ovulation or have a shorter cycle. So each of these different phases are different lengths, but they're very estimated. So that's a very like broad overview of it. But basically the four phases are your menstrual phase, which is your period, follicular phase, ovulatory phase is when you ovulate and release an egg. That's when you're fertile and can get pregnant. And then your luteal phase is 
the longest phase and that's when your body is starting to prepare yourself for everything to happen all over again so basically when you cycle sync the idea behind it is to work with your body not against it so you're going to be doing different workouts to match the hormone levels and energy levels to basically help yourself just feel aligned with what you're doing and like let's say you're feeling really tired one day because your hormone levels are lower because you're preparing for your period instead of forcing yourself to do a really high impact long workout which could increase the inflammation on your body and do more harm than good you're going to pick a workout that is a lot more chill and just makes you feel better i get so frustrated sometimes because as women we were never taught this stuff like i think back to like middle school health class this would have been a really cool unit you know like how to work with your cycle instead of against it and i've i've seen all these tiktoks i need to do more research so feel free to chime in if you if you know like much about this but um, I saw one TikTok and I was like, men typically follow a 24 hour day and yeah. you know, the nine to five works for them. The grind works for them. Women are on a 28 day cycle. So what works for you one week isn't going to work for you the following week. And we don't give ourselves yeah. the grace because we're trying to keep up with the guys. It's so interesting. Once you kind of dive deep and you see, like, we just have such a different body and flow that we're supposed to follow and once you start respecting that like major shifts happen yeah and also adding on to that there's a reason why burnout in women in the workplace is a lot higher than men because you're basically being forced to operate at the same level all month long when you said your our bodies are very different than men and a book i recommend for anyone who's interested is called do less by kate northrup it's basically all about how to organize your day in life to make your work flow with your cycle so it's really really cool i started reading that last year and it helps a lot so yeah that's something that i i try to do myself with my work so i have monthly launches for different challenges and the last month what happened is i was basically like making the product and finalizing it the week leading up to my period and I was really struggling with overthinking everything and feeling like I wasn't doing enough or good enough. Like I was just really struggling. So I learned the week leading up to my period needs to be a rest week for me. So I basically restructured my month this month. So this week I am working on building this new launch product. And then next week is the week before my period. So I'm going to chill, hopefully I have everything in place. And then when my period starts, I typically start to slowly increase my energy which is really cool. And I'll make it work for that. So that's just like the whole thing is you have to really be in tune with your body and like cycle syncing. You can, I think a lot of people get overwhelmed with it because they feel like they have to be perfect with it. But into the day, like everyone's body is very different. So after a couple of months, just like track your mood, track your energy, you're going to start to see a pattern and you're going to start to figure out like, okay, the first few days of my period, I'm really, really tired and crampy. I need to take it easy. But then the last half of my period, I'm feeling a little bit more energized. So I'm going to maybe try like a Pilates class or go to bar or something. So that's kind of like my little tips with it is just don't make it restrictive. Don't make it overwhelming. You know your body the best and your body knows what it needs. So just listen to it. Okay. So, so in order to properly, I guess we'll use that term loosely, properly cycle sync, you can't be on birth control. Is that right? When you're on hormonal birth control, it stops your ovulation. So you're not going to be experiencing all of the phases like when you aren't on birth control. But I will say that doesn't mean you can't cycle sync. Cycle syncing is, like I said, a very intuitive thing. So when you're on birth control, you can start tracking your different moods and different energies and see and compare different months and see if there's a pattern. Because then from there, I mean, when I was on birth control, 
I still felt tired during the week of my period. Like I still felt different changes in my body throughout the month. So if you can become in tune with yourself, you can cycle sync with how you're feeling. And also I would say too, is you can basically break it into, you have the placebo week, which is when you bleed. So that can be your menstrual phase. And then after that, you can do the follicular phase if you're feeling that energy increasing. And then I would just go to the luteal phase and then repeat. That's basically like what I would do with the gist of it. But I think people get discouraged because like I'm on birth control and like I don't want to come off of it. But you can still, you can still do it. The point of it is to work with your body and your energy levels. So can you speak to a little bit your experience with birth control and why it's no longer a part of your life? Yeah. (laughs) So basically I mentioned before I was a competitive figure skater for most of my life and I was someone who was a late bloomer. I didn't get my period until I think I was like 15, like either late 14, early 15. And Basically, I remember the first time I got my period, or maybe I think I was 14 years old, but regardless, I remember the first time I got my period, it was like the worst day of my life because I remember going into the rink and just like feeling so just disgusting and in pain. I was like, I can't do this. Like, how am I supposed to train when I have a period? And it got to the point where, and I still is to this day, I don't know why this was going on. I think it was because I just started getting my period. My cycle wasn't regular, but I started getting them every two weeks. So I'd be getting two periods every single month. And it was like really, really affecting my training because I would feel that exhaustion the week before and I'd get the period and then exhaustion, they get the period. It's like, I was just never, I was just never feeling like that energy anymore. So I got on birth control because my doctor is like, birth control. I'm like, perfect. I don't know what else to do. So I get on the pill and they put me on like a crazy high dosage and it made me gain a lot of weight. And I was like, I need to lower this. I lowered it and I kind of found like my sweet spot-ish. But then I just started having like weird things, my weight fluctuations and moods. And I dabbled with a copper IUD for I think like a year. And then that was, that was horrible. My experience that was terrible. I started having just so much pain. My periods were unbearable, like so heavy. And I went back to the pill, got on like the lightest pill I could. And I just, it was fine. And then I lost my period altogether. Like on that placebo week, I didn't get it at all and just freaked me out. And I was like, I just don't like having this foreign substance in my body. I was in my like holistic health girl era too. And I was like, I just don't want this. So me being uneducated, I just cut it cold turkey. And I was just like, I'm not going to do this anymore. You're supposed to ease off of it also. (laughs) I didn't. And as a result, like six months later, my acne just started to flare up really bad. And it's been a process balancing my hormones. I mean, I still get acne a little bit, but I've started seed cycling like within the past month. And that's been really helpful too. So it's just been a little, it's been ongoing. And my doctor told me that it can take three years to have your hormones bounce back. And it's been three years since I got off of it. Yeah, it's been a journey, but it's been so worth it. I I just feel so much more connected to myself now and so much more empowered in my body. And just, yeah, it's awesome. I love not being on it. We literally- Are you on birth control? No. Okay. So I I keep saying it. We have such a similar life. Like we were just meant to be friends, but like I went (laughs) off of it um, in 2020. So it's been three years for me too. Same. Yeah. Yeah. Like March of 2020. And I started doing natural cycles. 
I don't know if you use that app. Like I would take my temperature in the morning because I was in a really serious relationship. And so at the time I was like, Hey, like this isn't working for me. Like I need something Mm -hmm. different. And he was super supportive of my decision and was like, okay, like, you know, whatever, like I'll support you. So I was doing natural cycles. So I would take my basal body temperature, plug it in. And it would tell me if I was ovulating. So I was on the pill since I was like 15 or 16. So it's literally same thing. Like when you're that young, you don't, you don't realize that your body is still trying to figure it out and your hormones really don't balance out until you're like 23 or 25 or something crazy like that. And so I did the pill and then I had the IUD and then I was like, this is making me crazy. And so I finally for, you know, and this has to do with like a lot of other things in my life, but I finally feel like I'm, you know, easing into my body as it's supposed to be um, and not having, you know, outside influences. And so it feels good. And so you mentioned seed cycling a little bit. Can you explain that as well? Because yeah. I think that's a really cool so, tool to use too. Yeah. So I basically had someone on my podcast who she, her whole business is about seed cycling. And I'd, I'd heard of it obviously, but I'd, I'd never tried it. And I was like, that seems like a lot of work, like grinding seeds and like all that stuff. Like, is that even effective? Basically she has like her product is, um, I'll plug her on here because she's awesome. It's Funkit Wellness. And she makes these like pre-made like blends of the seeds you need. So basically, okay, backtrack even further. During the different phases, different types of seeds have nutrients that help support your hormones and can help balance them out during the phases. So the first half of your cycle, I think it's through menstrual phase and follicular phase and like ovulation. I think the seeds, it's pumpkin and flax. The second half of it is when you have your luteal phase, like that whole section is it's sesame seeds and then something else. I'm blinking on what it is. The flax seeds during the first half, you have excess estrogen, which is being increased and your body needs to flush that out. So the flax seeds will, there's like a whole science-y word for it, but they help flush out that excess estrogen because it's fibrous. And Basically, I have noticed this past cycle. So I was getting acne on my cheekbones after my period ended, and I wasn't sure why. And I realized I learned the estrogen that it can actually increase, it can make acne happen in the follicular phase. So I've been doing it this, this is like the first month I've ever done seed cycling. And it is, I already can tell a difference. Like actually my skin on my cheekbones, like did not flare up this month. I have a little bit on my, like my forehead and stuff, but I don't know if it's from traveling or whatever, but I just have noticed difference already. So I'm, I'm already liking it. It's so crazy how like just little small changes, the body just really wants to heal itself. It's, and I kind of realized like, I think like birth control in my case was the bandage over the problem. The problem at the time was my hormones were not regular and I just put a little bandage over it because it was a little issue and it turned into a long-term thing. If you can help your hormone levels by just naturally balancing them out, like I wish I'd done that and I just didn't know about this, but I think it's important like food is medicine and you can prevent a lot of stuff from happening in the long-term by like watching what you're eating, what you're consuming, putting it into your body and it, it makes a difference. It's really just like these tiny little habits that make a huge difference. It's crazy. And it kind of like reminds me of Pilates. I heard someone say one time, like Pilates is the only workout that, you know, it's these tiny little movements that make the biggest difference. And as an instructor, Mm -hmm. I'm not sure like your opinion on that, but I think it's the same with like your habits too. Like the tiny habits are the ones that make a difference. I agree. I mean, I think with Pilates, it's like the, what's so cool about it is people don't realize this, but you're using your core for most of the moves. So your entire 
honestly your whole body your whole body is working to stabilize and help with balance for the different movements so it's like yeah maybe feel like a tiny little pulse is going on also working like your entire body at the same time like your shoulders are holding you up if you're on all fours your core is holding you nice and in place helping your back not arch like so much is going on and maybe like that's when people are like Pilates like doesn't do anything. I'm like, uh, but it does. It's a total body workout and it's awesome. So I love that she said that because I totally agree. So for someone who is thinking about getting into Pilates, maybe they've never taken a class before. Maybe they've heard that it's too hard, that they're going to be sore after. What's one thing that you would tell a Pilates beginner? You just have to try it a couple times. I have taken a lot of classes with Pilates instructors and I just didn't like their teaching style. And I think a lot of times people will take a class once and be like, "Ugh, I don't like it. But I would say take it at least three times with three different instructors and see if you like it. Because there's a lot of different styles of Pilates as well. You have your Matt Pilates class, but within the Matt Pilates, you have classical and contemporary Pilates. So you just have to play around with it, feel it out, see what you enjoy the most. Like, are you liking more of the classical style, which is a little bit more slow paced? It's more of the, the standard original Pilates movements. Or do you like the contemporary style, which is a little bit more of kind of a free for all? You have your basic moves, but they take variations off of those a little bit more a little bit more intense as well so it's kind of like playing around with it i would just say just just shop around see what you like and don't get discouraged if the first time doesn't feel the best for you that's such good advice for like any workout class too i feel like because nobody you're not going to vibe with everybody i actually just took a class the other day with a friend and she was like, wow, I actually liked this specific class. And it was a very specific like type of class. She's like, oh, the, the one that I went to the other day, I just hated. So I'm glad that I went to this one. And I said, well, who was your instructor? And she said who the instructor was. And I was like, but you liked the class today. And she said, yeah. And it's the same exact thing. It was just the instructor, you know? And that's not to say that that instructor was a bad instructor. They just didn't vibe. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I can say like, obviously I like other forms of workouts as well. Like I really enjoy, or I used to enjoy doing more of HIIT classes and I love like dance cardio classes, but I will say I took a dance cardio class on an app and I didn't like it, but I took it on another app and I was like, this is great. I love it. So it just really comes down to what you enjoy and there's no right or wrong instructor, unless the instructor is like making you do stuff that is going to make you hurt yourself and they don't know what they're doing. Like that's not a good instructor, but an instructor who's certified and knows what they're doing, knows how to provide modifications and is very vocal and explains things like they're a good instructor. So for someone who wants to try out Pilates, where can they find your studio? You can go to sweatystudio.com. I have a website and also an app. It's just called Sweaty Studio. And I have monthly challenges and I have a free trial too. So you can try it out and see if you like it. And as you mentioned, you just launched a new guide. It's your cycle syncing workout guide. And where can they find the guide? Um, I have it on, it's like my stand store. I can send you the link to it, but I'm launching a cycle syncing program next week. So, or in two weeks. So the guide will also be included in the program. So it'll be workout program. That's awesome. And- okay, wait, I'm going to do the program. That'd be so fun. Yes. So everyone listening yeah. to the program, we can all do it together. I think that this is going to go up on the 4th of May, if that's right. So the program might already be started, but it also isn't too late to join. Is that right? Yeah, it'll be it'll be up indefinitely, but it's I make like monthly programs, but then they're they're available. You can get them. So where else can people find you? Instagram, TikTok, all that jazz. Instagram, you can find me at I'm sweaty and I know it. Same handle for TikTok, YouTube. I'm Callie Jardine and podcast Healthy Be Human. 
thank you guys so much for listening to this episode i really really hope that you enjoyed it if you did please be sure to leave a five star rate and review and that just helps more people find and listen to the show i hope you have a great rest of your week and i will chat with you next thursday Thank you.